0: this is a relay project real talk starts right now here's ryan jesperson
1: how's it august 15th already it is welcome to real talk jesperson here with hicks on this tuesday uh, this show is gonna be kind of a, a fun one I think because uh, we're getting called to the carpet and uh, and we enjoy that it comes with the territory every once in a while uh, there's a, a discussion that happens on this show and and somebody really pushes back and uh, that's great because the whole this isn't called like real agreement or real consensus um, we want to have conversations that Push the envelope a little bit. That light a fire under you. That that force you to, to like think about your position and form to shape an opinion to forge that opinion in fire. And to know that if it comes through the other side unchanged, then well, y- you can argue it to others, right? You you you've you've had the competing perspectives, you've had your belief system challenged, and and you've made it through to the other side. Uh, John, you're not so much in trouble this episode as I am, and uh, our Friday roundtable participants from last Friday, that was the group chat roundtable, in particular. It's going to be Harmon Candola and, and to a certain degree, Jared Campbell that are going to be called out uh, by Travis Curra, who's going to be joining us. He wants to talk about the assertion that the CFL is on death watch, that the CFL is on death row. (laughs) It's
2: not doing too good, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, some more news out of Evan today, Victor Cree. uh, going to be parting ways with the Edmonton Elks mm-hmm. so uh some changes coming there uh apparently it has nothing to do with the 9-0 and record right now or the, yeah. or the 22 uh, Taylor Swift res- reference there 22 <laughs> losses at home but uh yeah and then uh just overall you know kind of the fan base of the CFL it, it isn't where it is it, it, it was uh years ago we know that I mean we have this stadium that has this history has A huge history. You look back at these pictures of 40,000 fans in there, screaming, just cheering on their team. And it, it, at least in this city and some other cities, it, it's not where it used to be.
1: No, you're right, and and uh, and I think like I, I remember when I. So I grew up in Calgary. Um, Stamps obviously, you know, wanted to achieve the success that the mm-hmm. at that time that the Eskimos had, and and this is everyone talking looked about a up franchise to the S- like with Warren Moon. They're yeah. winning like five great Cups in a row. They're winning all the like, just doing incredible. Um, had like a, a, a real run. Ricky Ray, one of the all time greats. Yeah. We're not just talking about the Edmonton Elks today. We're talking about the league. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the health of the league. Uh, but you're right. When I saw Farhan Lalji from TSN, I, I, I don't know if he was I, I, he was one that broke the story to me anyway, uh, that he heard that uh, team president, the Elks team president, Victor Cooey, was going to be leaving the franchise. This is a big deal. This guy was yeah. was kind of a big get for the team. He's he's uh, He was like an Edmonton boy that went international, made his name, and quite frankly, made a fortune uh, in mixed martial arts in Asia, building this brand, a billion-dollar brand that was absolutely huge. And I, and I think that people basically believed that Victor would come in and be able to apply some of those same principles and put this winning touch on the Elks. Uh, he's not a football guy, no disrespect to Victor, but he's not like a play caller. He's not like a former quarterback. He's not like a, a, a guy that came in. Uh, not that he doesn't have a working understanding of the sport, uh, but he was brought in for, for like organizational transformation, for brand transformation, to, to kickstart interest and loyalty Uh, With a new generation of fans that's obviously for any entity hugely important it's so important in in the sport of hockey that you have young kids playing like you look at all the initiatives and what, what are they they're like they're really encouraging uh, young girls to get into the sport they're encouraging uh, kids from from you know ethnic backgrounds or that have come to Canada from different parts of the world where hockey's not that big of a deal to find ways to get involved to create opportunities to get involved why because it's like the next generation of Obviously, that's huge, and that starts, these love affairs start with childhood memories in the stands, and you just don't see it with the CFL. You just don't. And maybe with the exception of, of a couple of teams, although friends of mine in Saskatchewan tell me that even, numbers are even down in their stadium at home, which is hard to believe, like Ryder Nation. And, and our guest today will talk about all this, but you sort of thought that if there's one brand that will always survive in Canada— Regardless of, you know, it's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders brand, but you see more and more empty seats in the stands. And then what's the league's commissioner talking about? Expanding to the <laughs> Maritimes. What? <laughs> And so our roundtable gets into it. And I, I don't like I'm going to come across as a cynic and a hater this episode. And I don't want to be. And, and and Travis, like he sent us this big, huge, long email. And we basically reached out to him and said, dude, just come on the show and just say all this. It'll be way more fun, way more entertaining for the audience. I don't want to come across. I hope the CFL is super healthy. I hope that the great cup is packed with people. I hope that kids are falling in love with it. I hope that fantasy football gets impacts the CFL like it does the NFL. I mean, you're rolling your eyes because nothing is going to achieve the success that the NFL does. But what's standing in the way? You know, today we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into it. We'll assess the health of of the league and 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 I think that the timing of this of, of Victor Cooey leaving the Elks is is significant. Uh, because he's not exactly leaving with like a George W. Bush aircraft carrier mission accomplished sign hanging. Uh, he, he's he's leaving the team um, at a time where you could argue that the Elks brand, uh, Eskimos included, has never been so low. Mm-hmm. It's a laughing stock. It, it's I nobody could say are, he didn't
2: try though. Oh, and I I mean, this is he not- put in he put in some work and like you said, he tried to get those initiatives going. He tried to get. Special nights for the fans. He tried to, you know, decrease ticket prices. He did everything he could to put bums in the seats, you know?
1: I totally agree with you. And then it makes you wonder, like, who are they going to go get next? (laughs) How do you? And what's that person going to do? Like, what are they going to do differently? Yeah. I remember seeing, and, and, and you see, and I mean like we'll acknowledge, and Johnny, you, you're in a bit of a tough spot, and I want to recognize that and reflect it. It's weird if we don't mention that that you're the team DJ for the Elks, and yeah. so obviously we don't want to put you in a tough spot, and, and uh, but but like, so you've witnessed it, and you've mm-hmm. seen it, like the, the halftime stuff that they've done, and like you said, these theme nights, they did like a South Asian theme night, which was yeah. wonderful, and I was talking in our round table how fun I thought it was that they had brought the cheer team alumni yeah, back from all the in different, Ashley different decades. Goal. They brought
2: and, in a new new host a younger guy with Ryder from the radio they did everything they could to try and you know put some life back into this team but it's the old thing saying i mean if there's no winning product on the field none of that stuff matters none of it matters so
1: so i guess the question is like are canadians over the cfl And uh, we're going to get into it today and we'll be looking, you better believe, we're going to be looking to our live chat to see what you have to say about this. And and as mentioned, of course, Travis Kerr is going to be joining us uh, in just a second. He's a a member of the CFL Podcast Network and, and he's a guy that obviously is driven by a ton of passion. This episode of Real Talk is presented by... Danatech. You can find Danatech online. If you need safety training that actually makes a difference on your job site, Danatech is the leader in Canadian safety training and has been for more than 30 years. Their online blended and instructor-led training courses combine regulatory compliance with real-world smarts and practical tips from experts who actually know how busy job sites work. You might, you might laugh and say, well, yeah, but that's not the case with some of the entities out there. It's why a reputable and trusted brand like Danatech matters most. You can visit them online today to check out their course catalog and train your team the right way today at danatech.com. Well, Travis Carr is a, a big CFL fan and he's a podcaster. As a matter of fact, you can check out his Two and out CFL podcasts anywhere you get your podcast. He's a real talker, which means a lot to us. And this interview all started when he saw a recent Friday roundtable on the show and decided to send us an email to talk at Ryan He's making his real talk debut. It's nice to see your face, pal. Welcome to the show.
3: Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to see and hear you too. Oh, Johnny and I
1: just love when we get a podcaster and a radio guy on the show because the audio is just magnificent. For those that are going to be listening and not watching, I should also note that's a pretty magnificent looking beard as well. Is, is, oh, that, like a, is that like a COVID holdover or have you been rocking a big ZZ Top beard for years?
3: I've been rocking the big ZZ Top beard for years. I probably haven't shaved it for about... Uh, six years. I did Movember last six years ago, Attaboy. but my wife won't look at me straight in the eyes, so <laughs> I have to keep the facial hair, which I'm okay with. There you go. It suits you. <laughs> Tell us about these bobbleheads behind you. All right. They're, uh, I don't know. I just started collecting CFL bobbleheads. You'll see one right over my, uh, I guess, left shoulder. It's a bobblehead of me that my brother got me for Christmas once, but CFL teams just started Putting out uh, bobbleheads, and uh, I started collecting them. I, I, I could use a little bit more. There's there's uh, two former Edmonton quarterbacks back there, Michael Riley, Trevor Harris. You see a Doug Flutie. You see a George Reed, for people that know CFL players those are some names they'll know but yeah they're mostly just CFL bobbleheads I'm that big of a fan
1: so you're, you're CFL like if you were to rank your sports like for me I'm I'm like NHL first and then everything else is kind of second you're a CFL is number one guy
3: yeah, I, to put it in perspective, Canadian football definitely took over for me. I'm a rough rider fan by heart, so maybe that explains things. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm a CFL fan through and through, number 1.
1: What is it about the Riders? Like did you grow up in Saskatchewan and so there it's just basically religion. It's like the it's the province's obviously biggest pro sport entity and and everybody there just kind of bleeds green.
3: Yeah, like I can't even tell you a time where I didn't know about football or the Rough Riders. I was born in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, near Regina, about a two-hour drive, and that's just what I knew. My older brother played football. I couldn't play due to uh, a bad back, but uh, I just, (laughs) I, I don't remember a time not being a fan. Putting it that way, it's just it's like bred into you in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no kidding. So, so right now, uh, you you consider yourself to be a rider fan, but you're also obviously uh, uh, this is something that you do uh, professionally. You're you know you're a you're a radio guy. You've got a, a popular podcast about the CFL. You're a guy that keeps an eye on on all of the franchises and 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 essentially on the league storylines. It's it's a regular part of your week.
3: Yeah, I I got my fingers on the pulse all the time trying to keep up with what's going on. I got season tickets in Edmonton and season tickets in Regina. Really? I don't like every Regina game. It's a 17-hour round trip or something like that. Jeez. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan, and I, I want to see the whole league succeed and stick around for many years.
1: Okay. So I'm grateful that you've made time for us. I hope that you don't have plans to go anywhere in the next little bit. Cause we want the conversation <laughs> just to breathe. And I want to get to some of the, the points that you've made. And, and I'm sure that you, you and I might disagree on some stuff as well, but, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, why don't we start with uh, Johnny? Why don't we tee up a little bit? We pulled a clip uh, from our most recent Friday roundtable. This was our group chat roundtable, uh, And this was the one, uh, obviously the conversation Trav that prompted your email to us uh, just, just a quick, portion of it here's uh our good friend Harmon candola assessing the health of the cfl
0: the cfl has a crisis which is it's just not good enough it's not interesting enough nobody cares for it um and i don't think that you can put that on victor q i don't think you can put that on the board uh that is a bigger problem that they're not wrestling with they should have just handed it over to the rock when the rock came in and dwayne johnson's like <laughs> you know i'm gonna save you guys he they should have let him save them um you know because at least he had some new ideas I, I, the you know Vince McMahon, bring Vince McMahon into this because this is just not entertaining. It's not Victor Q's fault. Yeah, it's, and it could be too little, too late for the CFL. Right? It's just like you said. It's if if folks aren't putting their kids in football, and that's not you know, how are we gonna you know, if you had ever played it growing up, and you're gonna watch it. I mean. I don't know, feels like the future is in a different sport. In our office, we've got uh, a lawyer, Jack Hopman. Hopman has been a season ticket holder for the Elks for the last 50 years. You know, this man is like 90 years old and he will come into my office and say, I'm not going to the game. It's not entertaining anymore. I don't care for it anymore. This is, he's been a season ticket holder. He's probably like number two, you know, when they look up how old these season ticket holders yeah. are. <laughs> and he's not going to this ga- these games anymore. Like, it's just not entertaining. Well,
1: That was Harmon Kendall and Jarrett Campbell on Real Talk on
3: August 3rd. Trav, over to you. Man, I I remember this. I was cleaning uh, my bathroom, (laughs) (laughs) and I hear the CFL is dying, and I I hear it's not entertaining, and I rewound it so I could... Harmon, what are you doing, man? I I like listening to you. (laughs) But, man... I. To say the game's not entertaining anymore, I don't know about that. Maybe if you just look inside the Edmonton bubble, uh, if you look, even if you go back 15 years, the salary cap came in to uh, the Canadian Football League, and that's when the struggles really started in Edmonton. Let's be real; they uh, they won those five great Cups in a row because they had more money than any other team in the CFL. Don't I know as a Rough Rider fan that? The, the money was just lacking <laughs> and couldn't con- couldn't compete with the likes of uh, the, the teams in Edmonton that had 40,000 in the stands all the time. But the ratings are up this year. There's been three overtime games in Ottawa, and I wrote it in the email, they won two consecutive games in overtime for the first time in CFL history. So I think entertainment is fine, but the crisis part and say that you know, things are struggling a little bit as far as attendance and things like that. I think, I think, yeah, there is something there. The The, the league, and I think like any other league or any other event-based business needs to find ways to open eyes and uh, attract itself to new customers, right? I, I'm probably on the younger end of the season ticket uh, base in Edmonton. Uh, 34 year old white guy but that that's kind of boring right mm. we need uh, more uh people like me of same age but everybody to come into the stands and enjoy the cfl and the whole xfl thing i think what makes the cfl special is that it's ours it's canada's it's one of the only pro sports leagues in canada and like the nfl stuff let's let's look at what they do they it gets rebroadcast in Canada for pennies, and everybody gets to watch it. Like it's Canadian from the ground up. There are American players that come here and have great success and make our game exciting and make it what it is. But I, I it's been people have been talking about the demise and the death of the CFL since before I was born. Yeah. It might be the longest, most excruciating death of all time, but I think it's here to stay, man.
1: Yeah, well, I do. I mean, I do agree with you. It's like it's ours. It's our game. And I remember, you know, back it was in the '90s or early 2000s. They had that campaign. Our balls yeah. are bigger, and everybody loved that. And and I remember that, you know, going to a Grey Cup was kind of a rite of passage. And and I don't know. This is purely anecdotal for me. This is just an anecdotal observation. I just don't see people. Getting is geared up like when you look at at the hardcore CFL fans across the country. They are some of the most hilarious and wonderful yeah. people you'll ever meet. Like Grey Cup festivals are wild, and you know you'll meet like shout out to, like the the wild Thai cats fans and the Alouettes fans and like every. You know, you, I don't have to tell you, you get it. Mm-hmm. You'll never hear so much cowbell in your life. You know you'll never see so many people wearing watermelons on their heads. Like it really is a weird and wonderful festival. Uh, but but the Grey Cups like don't. Sell out like they used to, and they kind of don't have that grab. and And my concern would be, and, and again, I don't want to sort of do apples and oranges here, but let's say you look at the National Hockey League, and 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 the NHL's had a bumpy road as of late. Like a lot of stuff going on. There's sexual abuse scandals. I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks stuff. You got a ton of stuff around Pride and the jerseys. But the NHL is still weathering the storm, and I would venture a guess that not very many people are going to pull their kids from minor hockey because of that. Some may. We may get a letter from a couple people. I talked to Jeff Nash a while ago, um, who has a, a great YouTube channel, talks about outdoor rinks, and and he was talking about his tough decision, what he's you know making their family decision about whether or not their kids are going to play hockey. But but then you look at football, and like you said, if you're the youngest guy in the stands. I mean, mean, the youngest kids, you're lucky if you're a kid, you get to go to an Oilers game. Mom and dad have a bit of dough or they know somebody that has tickets. If not, you can go to an Oil Kings game. If not, you might go see the U of A Golden Bears. If not, you might go, right? Junior hockey, you see it all the way through. And I just don't see that. I don't see like seven-year-old or or 11-year-old or 15-year-old huge like Elks fans or Stamps fans. And that's where I get a little bit concerned. I want to see the CFL succeed as
3: well. It seemed like the CFL sort of missed my generation a little bit. Um, In the mid-90s, they had, you know, the radically Canadian thing. And then even uh, about 15 years ago, they had This Is Our League. I remember they came out with a video and it was set to gift shop by the Tragically Hip with Grey Cup highlights. And then it felt like this is ours, like right to the heart. And I really thought that after the pandemic, people would kind of like, You know, they want to support Canadian. They want to support stuff in their backyard. But the missed season in 2020 really hurt things. Not being on the field at all. And I think they've been fighting back since then. I I will say uh, the last Elks game I was at, it was during K-Days. It was against the BC Lions. The Elks did get shut out uh, again, which... Twice in a year to a single opponent has never happened. So, if we're talking from an Edmonton perspective, things are historically bad. It is a performance based business, and you haven't won a home game under the banner Elks. Like, which period. Is insane. Uh, period. As yeah. the Elks, they've never won a game at Commonwealth Stadium. And after the game, uh, there were 25,000 people there, which. That's what the announced attendance was. In the grand scheme of things, getting 25,000 people to the stands is pretty good. But when you've got a stadium that holds 54, it doesn't look good. And then after the game, kids are always able to go onto the field. And when I was walking over to the transit station, it was covered in kids running around, throwing the ball. And those those memories created are special. And they need to keep up with that. You know, keep... Uh, engaging the grassroots football the amateur football all of the kids and hey, now changes are coming in Edmonton. It appears I see the picture of Victor Kui up there, the president of the Edmonton Elks, and last night Farhan Lajee reporting that yeah. he could be out with the Elks. So yeah, yeah. Farhan like reports he could back. be
1: out. He's out. Like we'll we'll yeah. assume that yeah. that's the case. I haven't seen it officially announced, but, but that that's pretty significant. Like I'm I'm curious for your take on that. I know that a lot of Edmontonians will go ooh because the the i mean the fanfare around them attracting him this is a guy like i said that has an that has an international uh reputation he's he's achieved great things in building brands in sport in particular mixed martial arts in asia but but this is a guy that's that's done like billion dollar deals, and I think that the, you know for for good reason there was a lot of excitement when they brought him in because he's the Edmonton boy that went big and then came back, and he was coming in at a time that's a sensitive time rebranding that team. It's 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 like different. I think uh, than some other rebrands. We did a whole roundtable on marketing a few weeks ago on branding. People can check that out on our archives. Fascinating insights into like how people connect with brands and the delicate nature of a rebrand. But but Mr. Cooey was the one that was supposed to come in and keep not just keep it on the rails, but like really advent like launch the Elks into 2.0 and for whatever reason and like Johnny and I were saying before we welcomed you to the show it's 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 not a shot against him because it was obvious i mean he was almost too passionate like he had some questionable tweets at the beginning of the year did you see these travel he basically called out the media and was like yeah. you know we've sold all these tickets but cue the predictable stories about the you know the brand disaster and and the losing streak and it's kind of like Well, number one, the losing streak is very relevant. Uh, So I don't know how the media is supposed to ignore that. But my point is he wore his heart on his sleeve. And and I, as someone who also does that, I didn't mind that. So when I see that he's leaving or or they've agreed that he's leaving or however they're going to spin it, uh, that to me is a pretty big deal. And it does not feel like a move. I mean, unless it just wasn't working. You know, you see two people get divorced, you go, listen, that's it's the best move for everybody. Maybe it is. Uh, but I think that this is going to be, I mean, you're entering even an even
3: tougher territory for the Edmonton Elks. Yeah, if you look at uh, all of the, and this is just social media stuff, he has really, you know, uh, endeared himself with CFL fans across Canada and uh, other fan bases we're, were jealous of what Edmonton had in in victor we hadn't really seen a team president be that bridge in between fandom and being engaged with the team he's such an engaging guy and you're right Adam, on my show last summer and whenever the elks lost it was like a shot to his heart like he was in pain like you, you loved to see it and the resume he brought but maybe he wasn't a football guy And who knows what was going on behind the scenes and who knows the circumstances behind it. But Victor, to me, on the outside looking in, he looked a little bit different this year. Maybe the losses and all of the stress that comes with that and the business suffering because of the losses, I think the number one reason is the the performance on the field is why the business is suffering in Edmonton a a little bit. He didn't seem like the same... uh, upbeat, positive, energetic guy. Mm. And if you ask some diehard fans in Edmonton, they're pointing fingers at the board of directors. And those are the questions now. Does the community-owned model work anymore in 2023? Or in Edmonton, there are three community-owned teams in the CFL, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and the Edmonton Elks. Three arguably in history, the most successful franchises in CFL history right now. Business seems to be good in Winnipeg. Three straight Grey Cup appearances will do that. Some declining attendance in Regina. Maybe the shine of the new stadium is wearing off. But with a $300 million stadium, you got to pay for it. And then in Edmonton, the loss is just too much to, to overcome. And I thought the branding was great. I thought that the way they did it was great, but diehard fans of the team felt that they were left out of the process, felt that they weren't heard. So while the losses do contribute to declining attendance, although for some reason I feel like the buzz continues to stay up here with the Elks because it's become a spectacle. How long will the streak go? Like they're up 22 against Winnipeg. Winnipeg's a great team. And sometimes I feel like we have to remember that too. The other guys are getting paid. <laughs> the other guys are, are, are great teams too. And Winnipeg's not going to roll over and let Edmonton uh, finish them like that. But they, they felt alienated, these diehard fans, like they weren't heard. And that they felt that when the Elks first came into play into 2021, all of that illustrious history of Edmonton football was gone And forgotten. I don't know if I feel that way, but some of the diehard season ticket holders that have had them for decades feel that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've got people in my social media orbit uh you know just one yesterday he's a prominent Edmonton lawyer Mark McCourt big Eskimos guy and he and he posted a photo in his in his like you know his house and he's got a you know, kind of like you he's got all his memorabilia behind him and everything he's got photos of him with like I was squinting to see who it was and if it's like Danny Machocha or somebody had, like all these like framed photos and little gray cups and you get the idea uh, but it's all Eskimos gear. There's like no Elks gear. And his post, I'm not calling Mark out. I mean, he put it out there for everyone to see. He basically said like, bring back the Eskimos. We want the Eskimos back. And I just couldn't help myself. I knew that you were coming on the show today. And so I was like scrolling his comments just to see what people were saying. And and the the recurring theme in that comment section was go woke, go broke. And 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 to me, it just seems like there's kind of this, there's a weird correlation. I think it's ridiculous to suggest that the Elks are on a losing skid, a record-setting losing skid because they changed their name. That's ridiculous. But I don't know that it's that ridiculous to suggest that it might be part of the reason why attendance is way down. And quite frankly, I'm surprised at that because I share your feelings about the rebrand. I thought that they did a spec spectacular job with the rebrand for a ton of different reasons I thought it was great and when you can sit there and you make a fair point Trav by saying that you know like the, the hardest core fans felt like they weren't listened to uh well, mm-hmm. well like number one respectfully uh they didn't want the name changed so that's number one And and <laughs> and if you're changing the name and you've made the decision you're changing the name yeah sorry like we're not going to listen to you continue to talk about how we shouldn't change the name so that conversation's A quick one. I mean, there's only so much consultation if one party's not going to budge, and if the no budging is we're not changing the name. And and number two, respectfully, are these people marketing and branding experts? The team held a competition, right? The people were able to Mm -hmm. submit names. I mean, I don't know what else they're supposed to do. At the end of the day, the font looks great. It rolls off the tongue. The brand looks good. The merch looks good. They kept the colors. They kept the double E. They kept the same helmets. They kept, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I I just, it wasn't this like dramatic, drastic, wild, color-changing, vibe-changing rebrand. So to hear you say, and you're the expert here, not me, that you feel like uh, the significant portion of a fan base has lost its connection with an entity that, that has had some of the greatest players in CFL history and has had iconic dynastic runs with Gray Cups. I mean, I would say it's fair to say that a lot of people probably just didn't see that coming.
3: Yeah, the first game after COVID. Remember, the rest of the country still had restrictions in place, so there was limited attendance. And, of course, I think that might have been the best summer ever in Alberta. And uh, they they were able to squeeze the game in, and there were – think 36,000 fans in the stands. They gave away 30,000 Elks t-shirts at the home opener. I would say that that was a success considering how many people were still worried about uh, COVID kicking around and rightfully so. But then to follow that up with loss after loss up to 21 now, 22 straight home losses, that's going to, take the casual fan base array away because that's what you need to build the the casual walk-up crowd. Yeah. And if the casual walk-up crowd believes that they're just going to go watch a loss, why would I want to go buy a beer for 10 25 and watch this team just find new ways to lose every week as a CFL fan? It's become like, they're so creative with the ways they lose. No oh, man. <laughs> like, like, they lost on a rouge, a single point, in Regina earlier this year. But I truly believe if they were able to win that game or win the home game at the beginning of the year this year when there were 33,000 there, like these are, I don't know about you, significant numbers, over 30,000 people watching Canadian football. And then to perform like that on the field, I, I think that has the biggest impact. More than anything. And we know how sports fans are. The Chicago Cubs blamed Steve Bartman for their, (laughs) you know, century long World Series drought, or the GOAT in Boston with the Red Sox. Fans will blame the name change for as long as the team struggles. Yeah. And what they need to do is win. And make it cool to go to games again. I thought they were on their way to that. They have a great tailgate uh, scene around the stadium before you walk in. Mm-hmm. They've got, I think, $5 beers early on. It's a lot of fun mm-hmm. to go to games. And then you go in, and then and then the team performs like that. If you want to talk on the field stuff, it's just been a remarkable collapse. Uh, you, you'd think that after 4-14 four and 14 last year that they would improve this year. But it's gotten, it's gotten even worse. But uh, Victor, I think he did a lot of great things. He had a, a game broadcast in Cree last year, mm-hmm. a game broadcast in Punjabi this year. So many cool things with the team, but they just follow it up with loss after loss after loss. and that that's that's tough to overcome
1: yeah there's been like as we've been talking I've just been scanning what people are saying like in 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 the public town square you know in, on twitter and 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 there seems to be consensus that kui's not the one that needs to be leaving Uh, And I think that, you know, you could probably clean house. I think it's uh, and and whatever. I'm I'm not going to make friends in this city by saying this. uh, But like, I think that there's obviously a a board of directors that probably there's probably a a rightful demand for some, not just some introspection here, but maybe for a set of outside eyes or two. Um, A board that's probably not done a great job navigating waters in a number of different fronts. There's been some treatment of former players. I mean, you know, you invoke the name of Ed Hervey. I recognize that we're now talking. We've spent like the last 10 minutes just talking about edmonton and we want to talk about the league right we'll get right. it refocused but it is what it is edmonton is the story right now um and and then also like you know whether or not chris jones like can can you be coach and gm and i know there's been some shuffling new offensive coordinator there's there's you know a new face at quarterback and all that kind of stuff but like you know maybe the wrong person's leaving is the point that i'm making here and you're hearing really tough excuses too uh, people going, well, there's a lot of money tied up in the way that the contracts work. With like, you know, the you know, basically the the the, the you know the teams, the coaches that are calling the shots here. And so, don't you know the the team can't even afford. This isn't like the NHL or the NFL, right? Like a team, yeah. will, you know, fire Mike Babcock and just pay him six million a year to not show up. Uh, it's yeah. not the CFL. You can't do that. And so, you know, you maybe have guys that you know Chris Jones probably should be fired. Quite frankly, I'm not a football guy. You can tell me if I'm out of line there. Um, but with the record that that team has right now, I don't know how you justify keeping him there.
3: Well, I feel like four year contracts are almost unheard of as an executive in the CFL, and that's what Jones got. Mm. And I, I think they were trying to sell the fans. We gotta, we gotta get worse before we get better. But well, they're doing a great of, job of that. <laughs> they, they totally are. They totally are. We're not even halfway through the four years. They're still paying the guy they fired before Jones. So if they fire Jones now, they're paying two guys and the new guy to do the job. That's not financially feasible for the community-owned team. I think it's even harder to make uh, decisions like that. So I think that's why there is a, a push among some fans saying that It's time to go private because some of the guys with the big bucks and the deep pockets might be willing to do things like that.
1: Yeah, I'd be curious to see what what sort of, uh, you know, what sort of a sticker price a a franchise might command. You know, I mean, there's potential for sure. I mean, the Riders would maybe sell for a pretty penny. There's some money in Saskatchewan. I, I don't even know what the benchmark would be. I remember back in the day, I grew up in Calgary, like Larry Rickman was buying the stamps. and so that, That's my vintage. Uh, we're hanging out with Travis Curra. He's the co-host of the Two and Out CFL podcast. Trav, hang tight for a second. I want to talk to you about expansion. I want to talk to you about a bunch of other CFL storylines, and we want to get to the live chat here because there's actually some season ticket holders from a bunch of different franchises that are, that are chiming in, fans from different franchises that are giving us their take on this, and we sure appreciate that. Uh, if you haven't checked on my Instagram lately, go ahead and, and check it out. You can find me at Ryan Jesperson. I'm easy to find on Instagram. And on my stories, uh, you'll be able to see, uh, number one, uh, David Gray yesterday talking about how our electricity grid works. Great interview. But then my wife, Carrie, was out with Mike yesterday from Eden Landscaping. You know that they're doing our yard right now. They went out to Sunstar Nurseries, and Mike and Carrie worked together to pick out... Uh, the majority of the plants that are going to be in sort of the accent pieces through the yard. They were working together and they're kind of making some judgment calls on the fly. We're really excited with how this is all working out to see it go from design plan to reality. It's been amazing working with their team. They've been able to accommodate some of our requests that have changed along the way. That's one of the best things that a business can do is be flexible. Make sure that the customer at the end of the day is completely satisfied. That's been our experience. It can be yours as well. You can find Eden online at landscapeedmonton.ca. If your redo, if your overhaul of your living space is going to be focused more on the interior, California closets is the... Best in the business When it comes to Custom closets And storage solutions For the entire home Now that could be Your primary bedroom That could of course Be your entertainment center In your family area That's what we did We needed to get Some organization And some structure Some aesthetic improvement But you know The garage is the Workhorse of the home And California Closets Is helping people Get to a position Where the garage Is working for them Gone are the days Of tripping over the rake On the floor The extension cord all tangled up with the bicycle tires and uh, where's that drill battery again the garage storage cabinet solutions from california closets organize everything from seasonal decor to sporting goods and they do it in a way that makes your home feel more like home no matter which room it is they're doing it in california closets does it better than anybody else Our friends at Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food want to let you know about a special promotion through the month of August. This is what we feed our dogs, Moses and Monroe, and we see the health benefits. We see them all the time. Uh, For the month of August, you can enjoy $14 off turkey raw pet food. Now this is the human grade facility. This is where they're getting their turkey from. This is the best stuff you can find but they also include the organs and the bone as well. So your dog or even your cat is getting all of the nutrients they need. That's uh 14 bucks off turkey raw food just use the promo code august 2023 at checkout and make sure you check out the lion's mane mushroom extract for dogs you can find it under the supplements link when you click on shop now this is what we're using for our lab monroe to help ease her anxiety and we're seeing it work it's a gut friendly source of cyber a uh, fiber rather and it prevents uh, provides benefits for senior dogs dogs with anxiety it's also great for overweight dogs as well you can learn more about the lion's mane mushroom extract for dogs at granddog.ca And before we get back to talking CFL, I wanted to let you know that Apex Automation is looking for professional engineers right now. They're hiring uh, folks that want to work in Western Canada or down in Texas. They're looking for engineers that want to be on the cutting edge of where industry is, yeah, but where industry is going as well. Whether that's potash mining in Saskatchewan, whether that's natural gas processing in Alberta. Heck, it could even be craft brewing. They're automating it all. And you can check out the careers link if you'd like to be part of that team at apexautomation.ca. Hanging out with Travis Curra. He's the uh, co-host of the Two and Out CFL podcast. Make sure you subscribe. And We always like to remind people how much we love it when they rate our podcast as well. Right, Trav? Five stars, pal. Five love stars. It. Love yeah. to see it.
3: Thanks, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah, we've got uh, Giants for Life in our chat here. It says, I'm a season ticket holder for the Stamps. And attendance for our games this year is down dramatically. Uh, Tony says, with trying to get a new audience, I think that the Elks made the mistake of leaving out the older generation that were your regular, Regular, long-time, season ticket holders. Kathy says there's a lot of things that have led to that team being where it is right now. Cost is a factor. People can't afford to go to games if they have to travel, especially out of town. Uh, we got one. Someone here uh, is it Barley's Ranching says the CFL is run, throw, kick, three downs. It's predictable. We spent all winter watching NFL football. We got to change the game here to be the same, and it would survive. This is where a lot of Canadian football fans bristle, Trav, to say the least.
3: I had, I was in Montreal over the weekend and uh, I went to a bagel making class, learning how to make Montreal style bagels. Wow. And, and the chef says, the CFL, I'm wearing a Rough Rider hat, as one does. And <laughs> he goes, the CFL should be four downs. And my wife gives me the look. She, like, the hairs are standing on the <laughs> back of my neck. I just, I, I can't do it. Like, let's let's look at the rest of it. Like, defense is already really hard to play in the CFL. You got a yard off the ball. The field is wider. The field is longer. Like, defenses would have no chance. But I will say this. One of the biggest changes we've seen in the CFL over the past, I'd say, 15 years is defenses are better. They're more athletic. And they have come further than the offenses. So we need some innovation again in the offenses. Not, if you look back in the history of the game, it wasn't always Doug Flutie putting up 60 points. You know? (laughs) Like, we, we like to think about that era and we like to romanticize that era, but it always wasn't that high flying. But what makes the game great is its differences And the clock rules. A lot of times if a team is up 10 in the last two or three minutes in the NFL, you know, a couple kneel downs, you run the ball and it's over. And I think a big change we've seen recently in the NFL is that they've started to take some ideas from Canada. The quarterbacks play a lot more similarly than uh, that we've been watching for decades in Canada. They run more, they throw more. So they have taken on that more exciting brand of football that we've been watching in Canada for years. But a lot of NFL fans I talk to, yeah, they love their team, but it seems like they love their fantasy team more than anything. Mm. And they love betting on the games more than anything. And when there's 12 games or whatever there is on Sunday – how does the CFL comp- compete with that? They got four games every week. So <laughs> that that definitely goes in the NFL's favor. Yeah.
1: What 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 is the like I'm I'm big, a big fantasy hockey nerd uh, in like four different leagues. And that's like if I spent yeah. as much time on my career as I do on fantasy hockey, I'd be a millionaire <laughs> five times over. But uh, what what's the landscape like for, for fan? I don't even know. This is a sincere, naive question. What's the fantasy outlook and and all that kind of stuff for the CFL? Is there good structure? Do you see fan engagement or or are most CFL fans, do you think, in NFL fantasy pools?
3: I think they're in NFL fantasy pools because they, they – in in CFL, it's pretty tough to have a 12-team – you know, a 12- or 14-team sure. league or whatever you're in because there are only – Nine starting quarterbacks. So the math says it's not really going to work to have a fantasy league like that. But they do have a daily fantasy game that the league runs itself. And you can win a trip to the Grey Cup and a bunch of cash and things like that. But you change your lineup every week. And I I see a lot of uh, casual fans getting involved in that and uh, being excited about uh, following their team that way. But it's not to the scale of... Fantasy football in the states, or any any other NFL fans across Canada.
1: Uh, I don't. I don't want to be like someone that just like is a cynic automatically, or I don't want to just like. I, I want to be an optimist here. But when I look at Randy Ambrosie, the league commissioner, um, saying that he's meeting with people in Halifax and they think that you know the the, the Maritimes deserve a team, which is not untrue. Um, you know, uh, but you look at the fact that the fan attendance is waning and that some franchises are in real trouble. Um, I mean, I have not, I've not been privy to looking at the Elks books. I have no authority to say this, but there's been some pretty credible voices in Edmonton. I'm talking about longtime sports columnists, you know, as an example saying, do we even know if the Elks can financially make it to the end of the year? Like they're asking this question openly, To see Randy Ambrosi talking about expansion uh, seems preposterous. But what am I missing here?
3: Well, I I think he wants it to be his legacy. Uh, I had him on the show uh, just last week. And this is kind of a thing that's been going on for 40 years. Can we get the Atlantic Schooners in the Canadian Football League? Which, by the way, if you've never been to a Grey Cup, the Atlantic Schooners have a great cup party and they're not even a team that's (laughs) pretty sweet (laughs) and and their their logo says the atlantic schooners undefeated since 1982 which I, i think it's such a great canadian thing i would love to see them be in the league but that's another thing what the pandemic did it looked like halifax city council had uh some funding set aside for a new stadium pandemic comes money shifts and the rest is history right now uh, they just had a game in halifax between the argos and the riders at saint mary's university and maybe they're trying to deal with the university to put sort of a temporary slash permanent home in place for a possible cfl team but we know what dealing with universities can be like that's what we see in calgary Uh, mcmahon stadium is owned by uh, the ufc so I think they have a tough times sometimes being the tenant or wanting to be the main tenant in place. I don't know if that is good for sustained success in Atlantic Canada. But what I think this would do would, uh, with a 10-team league, you have an easier schedule to make and a little bit more TV money. The, uh, the TV deal with TSN, I think it expires in 2026. And the amount of money it brings in, I think it's between 40 and $50 million. So that basically gets divided nine ways to the teams. And if you look at it right now, it covers the player salaries, which is probably the biggest expense of uh, a CFL team. All the, payers, the players are paid because of that uh, TV deal. But with 10 teams in place five games a week instead of four you'd think they'd be able to command a little bit more money when that comes due and I think that's what Ambrose has uh, the big vision for
1: I remember back in the day when Rocket Ismail got a million dollars from the Toronto Argonauts uh, Ricky Ray I think was making like 400 uh, when he was quarterback in the else what's the what's the highest who's the highest paid player in the league right now or like what are some of the top salaries
3: I believe it is Zach Kalaris. Uh, he's the two-time MOP starting quarterback for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He makes, I think, right around $530,000. Okay. Uh, Gino Lewis in Edmonton, the starting receiver, he's making over $300,000. And recently, the BC Lions paid Michael Riley, the former Edmonton quarterback, over $700,000. But that hurt the rest of their salary cap and the rest of the team struggled as a result. I don't think that those salaries are anything to shake a stick at. I would like to make half a million dollars playing football, but uh when you look at other professional leagues, it's it's definitely not as high for sure.
1: Yeah, no kidding. And then and then you 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 got the guys making like 60, right? And 70 and 80, you know, for for the however many weeks it is. Um, yeah. you know, that are playing, I won't say for the love of the game, but like th- those guys have other jobs, put it that way, in the offseason, right?
3: Yeah, a lot of the, the guys making the minimum, I think it's right around 70K right now. 70, okay. Special teams and uh, things like that. But you think about the sacrifice that American players make. They come here. Can you imagine, you know, half your life – Your family is probably back in the States, so you're paying rent there. You come up here, if you're living in Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, you you struggle to make ends meet as anybody in uh, cities like that. And then you factor in the exchange rate for these players. Yeah, I would say that those guys are playing for the love of the game. And sometimes a different skill set, a different body type succeeds In Canada more than in the States. It's more of a power game. We've seen uh, sort of receivers go to the States and put on 10 to 15 pounds of muscle or whatever it is. They come back up to Canada and they don't have uh, quite the cardio anymore mm. <laughs> with the big field and more running. So it does take a different skill set to succeed in both leagues. They are different leagues, and they take uh, different skills from the athletes when they're playing uh, in Canada versus the U.S. But when you look at the money, those American players, they, they do make sacrifices to keep playing professional football yeah. in in Canada.
1: Yeah, you know, 75, when 75 becomes like 55, yeah. Uh, with that exchange, that's a kick in the teeth. Mark on our live chat says, I, he says, I've always thought that the Canadian game was better. Um, says it's harder to run the clock. It's more fluid. And then he goes on to say, also, bang for buck. He says, like, you can get in there for yeah. 20 or 30 bucks. And, and that's nothing to shake a stick at. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, Alberta Girl says we had season tickets, but we let them go years ago. Uh, we're a fanatical uh, NFL family, says Alberta Girl. And she says the CFL just can't compete. Um, Adam says, in part, I think the problem is is that the the strength of the CFL was in the West, but now the West is the weaker division, and we're not used to that. Um, which is an interesting point. Um, Others are talking about, you know, if you want to attract a a younger crowd, uh, you know, you got to have games that are more accessible. They say, like, 8 p.m. starts just just don't work. That's brutal. Um, You know, others are saying that the early starts. Giants for Life says a 5 p.m. kickoff time is brutal. I mean, I guess maybe, you know, not everybody's going to agree on that. You want to get, yeah, you want to get the kids out to the games, uh, but at the same time, Like you know, Edmonton has, uh, and someone will probably fact check me here. I heard, let me say that Edmonton has the highest per capita population of students of any major metropolitan city in Canada. Uh, But you know, you got the University of Alberta, you got McEwen University, you got Kings, you got Concordia, you got Nate, you got like tons. Um, And and so you know, that sounds to me to be a perfect recipe. Trav, you mentioned it earlier for like. Student rush seating or like $15 tickets, the $5 beer thing would go a long way for students. I think, um, and Johnny, you know this well, too, like a a, a, a July summer night at Commonwealth Stadium is a really, and, and you could put in any stadium, at least the open air ones, right? Like that's a special experience anywhere in Canada. Um, you know, I'd be surprised if they couldn't. Again, it comes back to winning. You got to be able to draw people to the stands. People want to spend. There's competition for dollars. They want to spend it there. You got to get that point there.
3: Now, when I started going to games, I would say that it was a little bit more of a party atmosphere, Mm. but I was of the age that I enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah. You go to some of those Labor Day games between Edmonton and Calgary. I think about 15 years ago, And I don't know, I laugh at it now. There was about a dozen streakers that tried to run onto the field. But that is not a family atmosphere. Not everybody wants to take their kids into that. So now we're trying to get and attract the families. And I heard somebody uh, mention the ticket prices. And uh, CFL ticket prices used to be way cheaper. That's just uh, the reality. They aren't that level anymore. It's still a lot cheaper than going to an NHL game. Mm. Absolutely. It's way cheaper than doing that in, in, uh, in comparison, but they aren't what they used to be. Um, and I, I do see younger crowds in the East Ottawa and, uh, in Hamilton, they've got their stadium set up in such a way. Now the, the capacity there is only 24,000. So if you have 22 or 23,000 in the stands, Take that to Commonwealth Stadium. The place almost looks completely empty. Uh, but the the stadiums there are set up in a more uh, social way. Uh, you're closer to the field. If you stand in the end zone and you're having beers with your buddies and you don't even really make it to your seat, how do we build that in Edmonton? If you're standing in the end zone <laughs> looking to the field, you're a mile away. and I think you still want to be a little bit close uh, to the action. So th- th- there's there's a strange balance uh, happening. It seems like younger crowds are able to get out in certain markets and not in other markets. Like if you look at Calgary, that stadium, man, it, it's old. It's 60 years old. And I, I do think it's kind of sad that um, we, we think of buildings like that as being old and decrepit. McMahon Stadium is a fantastic place. To watch a game. Between the play, if you want to go to the bathroom, get a hot dog or whatever, brutal. Not great. I don't know if there's another stadium worse than McMahon. But when you're in your seats, the view, it was built perfectly for football. Edmonton, not not so much. It was built for track and field. Yeah. So when you're trying to watch football from the lower bowl, you're so far from the action. and And that's tough as well. Uh, Trav,
1: somebody commented earlier in the show, they just said this guy's passion for the game is contagious. And uh, that is absolutely evident to say the very least. Uh, We'll shout out a few other audience members here. Donna says, I think it's pathetic that people think that a team wins or loses based on its name. Uh, which is fair. We've got a lot of pe- uh, people here. Like, you know, uh, AK says people pack Lambeau Field in Wisconsin. Obviously, Packers, and they, even though without a roof, because there's almost always a good team on the field, uh, goes on yeah. to say, and they love booze. Um, <laughs> <laughs> got lots of comments here about Chris Jones, and, and they're not flattering, uh, to be honest. Um, Air Mitch says, I- I'd hope to see the CFL as strong as the Australian Football League. A ton of teams, a proud history, huge stadiums, massive crowds for big games, and the fans are absolutely wild. Um, a lot of people are talking about as well, like the Canadian Elite Basketball League, some of the baseball leagues that have started up here. And, and maybe, the, you know, maybe some of those the younger fans or families, you know, the competition, maybe they're claiming them. I don't know. I figure that there's a lot of love to go around. Right. We're talking about cities from, you know, in the CFL anyway, 400,000 to a million plus. So.
3: You know, and I I don't think that those leagues hide from what they are. Hmm. They they, kind of own what they are. And they create such a fun game day atmosphere. I feel, in Edmonton at least, that the game day experience hasn't really changed all that much since I was going as a kid. And uh, they need to find ways to – I'm not the expert (laughs) to work new ways in to uh, get the fans excited to go to the stadium again. But, yeah, I've been to – Fourteen Grey Cups in a row. Wow. And uh, I started going when I was 21. The The first Grey Cup I went to was uh, the 13th man ending in Calgary between Saskatchewan and Montreal. Saskatchewan thought they won the Grey Cup, but they had too many men on the field had to re-kick the field goal. So I should have quit at that point, but I kept going. I kept going. And the amount of friends that I've made across Canada and the amount of beautiful people I see only at the Grey Cup. There used to be a contingent of Baltimore Stallions fans still going to the Grey Cup from when Montreal was in Baltimore in the mid 90s you could see the baltimore stallions logo the only american team to win the great cup coming to uh they call it the grand national drunk but i don't know if they want that to be the main marketing message of the great cup anymore it has allowed me to see so much of this great country and i don't know going back to what harman said to say the cfl isn't exciting that that 13th man ending Just last year, the two block kicks in the fourth quarter, Toronto upsetting the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the Grey Cup. I've seen overtime games. in. I've seen two overtime games in the Grey Cup in my 14 years of going. And it seems like no matter the struggles that the league has during the year and the negativity surrounding it, the Grey Cup comes, and it's like, wow. That was an awesome season. That was an awesome game. But I will say there are some positives this year that I haven't mentioned. There was the Rough Riders and Stamps game a few weeks ago where the Stamps beat the Riders 33-31, an incredible football game. Almost three-quarters of a million people watched that on TV in the middle of summer on Saturday night. So they've made some changes with the schedule this year. Saturday and Sunday games are at 5.00. Thursday, Friday, they're at seven o'clock or or seven thirty Mountain Time, of course. So I think that consistency with the kickoff times, spreading the four games one per day, has been a positive when it comes to television. Anyway, and I, yeah, it, it, it's we we live in a big country, so. You see people from Southern Ontario saying, Vancouver, you're starting the game at 10 o'clock for us or whatever. So the discussion, and and that presents its unique challenges with the CFL, with coast-to-coast, time zones, travel, all sorts of stuff. But things seem to be going well in Vancouver. The president told me that uh, so far this season, attendance is up 45%. They make every game like a mini Grey Cup. They have so many great events. Terry Fox Plaza, the $5 beers in Vancouver, BC Place, a great place to watch a uh, football game. And things are going well in Vancouver. How do we uh, make that happen across Canada? But look, they're successful. They're winning. They're tied for second in the West Division. They were a great, exciting team last year. I don't think that that is a coincidence. If they lost 20 home games in a row... It would be tough to get people out to the the park in Vancouver. And you want to talk competition. Two hours away a few weeks ago, Taylor Swift is in Seattle. There's, And we know the impact that those shows have been having <laughs> across the states. And people are still getting out watching football in Vancouver. I think they're doing things right there, and uh, it needs to – ripple across the country you might wind up as CFL commissioner pal with
1: (laughs) with that pitch Uh, Trav this has been a lot of fun I'm so glad that you you took a second to uh, to send us that email because obviously it got our attention and kind of went above and beyond I was going to read it and then I thought nah, man people need to hear your voice your take if people want to hear more of your voice uh, they can check out and subscribe to your podcast it's the two and out CFL podcast Uh, you can find it anywhere you get them you can check out CFL fl 2 andoutpodbeancom and of course, we'll link to it in the show notes. Thanks for doing this,
3: pal hey thanks for having me on the show when you wrote me the email I was actually eating a Friesen Brothers cinnamon bun after returning from Jasper My man. so thanks for having me on the show brother
1: <laughs> hey there you go that's perfect there you go another endorsement for the Friesen Brothers cinnamon buns uh, that is uh, Travis Kerr host of uh, To and Out the CFL podcast well why don't we mention Friesen Brothers real quick we'll get to more of your comments and then some of your emails uh, but right now at Friesen Brothers they wanted us to let you know that they've got this hatch chili dinner that's coming up it's uh, august 19th and 20th okay so you got a little bit of time here but you're not going to want to miss it that's saturday and sunday coming up at their fresh market stores only okay so this uh, a unique hatch chili feast you'll have an opportunity to indulge in an ultimate all-you-can-eat dinner experience with Fiery dishes like pulled pork with hatched chili barbecue sauce, the hatched chili lasagna, and an array of other delectable options. It's just $20 per person, Uh, and for that $20, you can relish these flavors and enjoy a memorable dining occasion. You can find more details online. Plus, see their Alberta Chuck Burger Box that they've got offered uh, right now through the summer months as well. It's like a DIY perfect burger kit and the old-fashioned peach pies too. You'll find it all at Freesen Brothers, Alberta grown and Alberta owned. We've been celebrating our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Just a, a hair under and, and you know what? These final numbers are all coming in, so I'm just gonna say it. A hundred and fifty thousand. They're like hundred and forty-nine and something. A hundred and fifty thousand dollars raised back on August 10th, thanks to people like you. That swung by the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road uh, to purchase a blizzard or a dozen blizzards in support of Miracle Treat Day. That, of course, benefiting the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation. Now, I'm not talking about like all the Dairy Queens in Canada here. I'm talking about the real talk partners: the five locations, the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, 150 grand. For the stallery. Absolutely amazing. Giving a big shout out to them and those of you that swing on by, whether it's for a custom DQ cake, a DQ treat, or those signature stack burgers. When you visit a Dairy Queen in Northwest Edmonton or Sherwood Park, you let them know that Real Talk sent you. We want to mention our friends at Complete Care Restoration. We're so grateful to have had an opportunity to work with them. They're the ones that we hired to build this studio space and along the way there was some problem solving to be done there was a a, kind of a pesky water leak they had to figure out the building's 110 years old so not every line was straight and their team still installed a beautiful finished product we saw them problem solve and they can do the same for you they do construction and renovation and then if you're navigating a bit of a gut punch, they also do uh, recovery, restoration for fire damage, flood damage. For those of you that have opened up a wall for what you thought was a minor renovation, you found mold or asbestos, you're going to want to trust those uh, remediation experts. They have specialists for every one of those disciplines at CompleteCareRestoration.ca. Coming up this Friday, your chance to blow off a little steam. It's trash talk presented by our friends at local environmental services. If you're a decision maker for a business in Alberta or Saskatchewan, big or small, or working for a municipality, if garbage, landfill services, recycling, uh, stuff like portable toilets, fence rentals, uh, you name it, maybe it's time for a summer festival and you're the one calling the shots, keep it local bring your business to local environmental services the quote is free obviously online and we can virtually guarantee it's going to cost less than their competitors you'll find local online at localenvironmental.ca what do you think of trav that guy's got some real passion
2: yeah oh, we need more of people like that
1: <laughs> i agree man that
2: guy sounds he's to me not like, giving up on the cfl yet
1: he should work for the league that's what i feel he
2: definitely should be working
1: for the league yeah mark says gray cup was a big deal when i was a kid what a history this me is gonna too, be man 110th gray Grey cup is coming Growing
2: up. up in ontario pinball clemens was like you know he was like he was like jose canseco he was like yeah man. any other huge star who was just like And now, I I know we still have the stars, but I think uh, on our roundtable, they were saying this as well. Just, I don't know if it's the draw of the NFL or, uh, you know, what happened with COVID. But I I just feel like, I don't know, the the product just isn't there on the field for a lot of teams. The big stars aren't there anymore. And, uh, yeah, I still love watching it, though. Yeah. I love watching, and I feel like the broadcast, that's the funny thing, because I feel like the broadcasts have got better. The the, the the fan experience has got better. You were just talking about it, how, you know, all the stuff, Victor, you go to an Elks game, you've got the flyover at the start it's on a wild. Saturday. You've got pyro when the team comes out on the field. You've got fireworks at the end of the game. All the kids run on the field, but when there's no celebrating going on. Yeah. It's it's zero. Yeah, it it means nothing.
1: Uh, Yeah, I remember you and I both worked for the Edmonton Oilers. uh, You know, you as their DJ and me as their arena host through some dark years. Mm -hmm. And I remember it doesn't matter if there's 17 or 18,000 people in the stands. If the team is down, you know, like dash three four minutes into the game. And it's just going to be another loss. To Dud. You know, you remember you and I used to work those game day lives. Uh, these were presented yeah, by Molson. And so course. like when the Oilers were on the road, Johnny and I would go to a pub or a bar and uh, and we'd basically recreate the in-game experience. You'd like play yeah, all the music. Yeah, smaller and, stage. You know, we'd give things away and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. at one point, they the Oilers had lost 20 straight game day live games. <laughs> yeah. Now, there were other games in between, so it wasn't a 20-game losing skit. Yeah. But they lost 20 straight game day lives. And I remember you and me talking about that and kind of like you know misery loves company so that was when you and i first bonded we'd go through those big losing streaks (laughs) together
2: and it's funny because like any team just like the elks and the oilers you have those diehards there's i see people i i go to the game every day i come up in the same way and i see some people there you know right at doors in the same seats you know it, with an eye shot of where I am, so there are those diehard fans. There are those people who are still there in their season seats every game, waiting for that win. But I think the big thing is is for every team, not just the Elks, is attracting more, attracting the younger viewers, attracting the younger fans, creating future season ticket holders. And mm-hmm. this year especially, viewership is up. But those those people are at home. You yeah. know what I mean? They're not. They're not they're giving money to their cable or their uh, satellite providers they're not giving money to the team and that's what we need right
1: yeah yeah absolutely and when you describe it like i mean you know uh, you know gosh obviously we'll put in an interview request with victor qui i i I don't know if he's going to be willing or how candid he'll be um you know with the circumstances around Mm -hmm. his departure but it's it's obviously not like everything's great, you know, and we just won the Grey Cup, and he's riding off into the sunset. There's obviously some major issues here. But but if you're him, uh, it's kind of like, what else am I supposed to do, right? Like the way that you describe Literally it. Literally everything. Like what else are you supposed to do? And I
2: don't think he's going to be walking with his head held down. And like you said, Nor should he. the next guy that comes in here, or, or girl, or whoever, whoever it, it is. Whoever it is do you think they're going to be able to match the level of just enthusiasm he had coming in? And what are they going to do? Like if you're the next person coming in, like, okay, what do we got planned? Victor's tried everything. Yeah, literally tried everything. I he mean, did, he just did a two thing mascots. Him there's, and his mom like, <laughs> reading
1: mean tweets. Did you see this? It's on his Twitter. It's hilarious. It's like him and his mom uh, going through and uh, and and they're reading like mean tweets about him. Uh, it's hilarious. And so like the guy, you know, he he just I don't know. He basically, like I said, left it all out there. And I think like you know whatever. I, I I'm not. I, I don't. My spirit of my comment right now is coming across as like. Well, you might as well not even try, because Victor. That's not what I. That's not what I. No, the guy gave for. it his all, is but he gave saying. it his all. He's 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 obviously like some delf- self-deprecating humor here and stuff like that. Watching his mom laugh at him read mean tweets about his job <laughs> performance is pretty amazing i remember he pitched me one time he said there's like a it's popular you know there's like these popular podcasts where you know people sit down and do an interview eating like suicide wings oh and yeah they try to talk hot and eat wings, you know whatever, this yeah. kind of stuff or they'll do interviews in ice baths he, yeah. we had briefly flirted with the idea, ideas like you should do like real talk interviews but we'll have you guys in ice baths and i was like man <laughs> Like, hard no.
2: But but that's his brain. Like, it is how his brain He's constantly thinking like, yes, yes, this is a good idea, but how can we take it to the next level? And, like, I just don't see the next person coming in and being able to do anything else that yeah. he hasn't already tried to get people in the stands. And the other thing is, especially with this market, you know how Edmonton fans are. They, they Like, if the team's not winning, there's not much you can do. They are so hardcore. They are so, yeah. you know, so...
1: It's true. You can let us know what you think. Talk at RyanJesperson.com if, if we missed something or, or if you'd like to add to that conversation. We'd love hearing from you. That's exactly what Don did. Uh, Don wrote in uh, from Chestermere, Alberta. Shout out to Chestermere. He says, Jespo, I've got to say, I've really enjoyed uh, your three podcasts, August 8th through the 10th. Um, regarding Alberta's moratorium on solar and wind project developments uh, by this UCP government. Um, for you to have the Minister of Environment, Rebecca Schultz, the business perspective represented, as well as the opposition, the NDP energy critic uh, Najwan Najwa on on this matter, uh, says Don, is an excellent approach. And I'm thinking about this issue, uh, he says, but the underlying assumption here, Canada and the world, you know, transitioning to green energy without skipping a beat and growing the economy. Uh, Don says, I'd like to propose to you and the Real Talk audience that what we need to do in order to truly drop our greenhouse gas emissions is a far cry from this green energy transition. He says, I think there's a far bigger issue in Alberta, and that is water Uh, Don says from the north to the south, shortages and restrictions are realities. He says this premier wants to grow the economy and make water more available for industry. I have a real problem with this, as almost all Albertans are or will be facing consequences of water shortages due to climate change. Uh, Don uh, provides a list of guests that he'd love to hear on the show. We love when people do this. He wants to hear from physicist Mark Mills, uh, economist William Reese, uh, geologist Simon Michaud, uh, and uh, uh, John Pomeroy, Dr. Pomeroy from the Global Institute for Water Security. Uh, Don will look into those, maybe put a roundtable together. He says, please continue the fine work on real issues. I enjoy listening to the program regularly and keeping the topics current and important is awesome. That's from Don in Chestermere. uh, Don, thanks for taking the time. Uh, We got this as well from Marie. You know, let's not forget about this Calgary Stampede thing, right? You know, people can say, oh, here you are. Oh, here we go again. This is a unbelievable situation involving the institution that is the Calgary Stampede and 70 complainants on a class action lawsuit alleging luring, molestation, child pornography, We're going to keep talking about this, like it or not. Whether or not we're getting invited to any stampede parties next summer, we don't give a rip. And I appreciate this email from Marie, who says, I just wanted to bring this to real talkers' attention. It's fair days in Claire's home this weekend. She sent this to us on Sunday. Shout out to Claire's home. She says, and guess who's got the promotional stage marketing for the music and everything else that's happening? Yes, you guessed it. It's the Calgary Stampede. Marie says, they've never been here in the 30 years that I've lived here. They've been at several rural events recently throughout southern Alberta, really trying to promote themselves in the rural part of the province. Go figure. They know who their base is. She says, you may remember, we also have a very controversial. MLA in this writing of Livingstone McLeod. I'm sure that she is probably promoting this as well. I hope that people aren't being sucked in by this crap and are still going to hold this group to task regarding the 70-plus young people that were assaulted or otherwise by one of their employees. We cannot let this issue quietly slip away. Uh, She says, Real Talk is a large and diverse audience. Please keep this front and center in people's minds and eyes. We've got to be vocal. We've got to continue to apply pressure to the Stampede Board and their sponsors. That will be the only way we can change behavior and create a positive space for everybody that works and volunteers at the Calgary Stampede. She says, hopefully, we can encourage sponsors to apply pressure to the board as well. I really believe that the louder voices in the city of Calgary need to speak out more on this issue as well. She says, thanks for keeping this in front of your audience. Hopefully, we can help make change happen. That from Marie, and we appreciate that. You can let us know what you think anytime. We. Crave your feedback to the show here. Talk at ryanjesperson.com Now, yesterday we had David Gray join us in studio, giving us a, it kind of like a one oh one approach to how the grid works, the electricity grid. all this talk about wind and solar, and 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 people supporting the moratorium on renewables in Alberta are saying we got to get this figured out. The grid's got to be able to meet demand in the middle of winter. And then and then other people are are saying you know proponents of of expanding renewables in the province are saying that's a bad faith argument. That's a smoke screen. That's a red herring. And so we just wanted to sort this out once and for all. We wanted to understand how it all works. And so Dave joined me in studio yesterday. If you missed it, make sure you check out that episode. But before he went, he unveiled... A painting. It's a piece of art, and Dave is the founder of Art for Good, and you can check him out online, ArtforGood.ca. Johnny, can can we take your wide shot? Can we take your shot for those that are that are watching right now on YouTube? You can see we've got this painting hung uh, in uh, kind of in the in the background there. You can see it over Johnny's shoulder. An absolutely beautiful print. Uh, this is a print that is basically being uh, sold. Um, there's unlimited copies, and so the the, the options. Uh, The potential of this fundraiser is endless. It's a print... Uh, Based on a photo. This is, oh, thanks, Johnny, bringing it closer to the camera. This is called Emerald Waters. And the story of it is Dave told us about on the show yesterday. It's a photograph uh, that's then been digitally enhanced, and it's absolutely stunning. You can choose your size. You can do it from like the tile sized all the way up to the big 40 inches. I think 40 by 48 is the size. Whatever best fits your room. Uh, You can order uh, your print online at artforgood. That's the number four, artforgood.ca. We'll put it in the show notes. And the proceeds, as Dave described it in yesterday's episode, are going to go to the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship. I have an exciting announcement about that scholarship, but now is not the time or place. Uh, the, the the editorial board got together last night and made a decision. And um, once we've notified, we have a winner. We have a winner. Okay. And then once we've once we want that winner to find out first. Yeah. And then we'll let uh, Real Talkers know. But your support, friends, through the Art for Good fundraiser, uh, through uh, Slavo Checks sculptures, uh, through our Real Talk Golf Classic, uh, is is allowing us to you know, basically do what we can to remove financial barriers for post-secondary students in Canada that have lost a parent to cancer. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your support. So please do consider supporting uh, Art for Good's uh, campaign to benefit the Real Talk Julie Rose scholarship by picking up a print of Emerald Waters. Now, because we rolled out that painting yesterday, uh, we decided to go out on that. But you may have noticed our Monday tradition was postponed once a week. Our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy, you can get your free solar quote today at kubienergy.ca. Well, they give us a reason to to basically take a second and focus on the positives. Sometimes it's something that's just going to blow our minds. And that's the case today. I found this online. And in this episode of Positive Reflections, You know the great painter Bob Ross? Of course you do, right? The pretty little trees. Who doesn't know Bob Ross and his iconic painting style? Well, check this out. Little did we know, as Bob Ross on his daily television show was painting these mountainscapes, he was actually taking us on a journey. If you're listening on the podcast, you have to come see this on YouTube, okay? Johnny, let's roll it. This video audio is absolutely amazing. Yeah, why don't we roll the audio too? Yeah. Here he is. Here's Bob Ross taking us on a journey.
0: Let me show you one crazy thing I've got going up here today.
1: Today I've taken, I have a crazy canvas here. So you can see here, every single painting that he did was moving just a little further down the river, a little further down this the is incredible. stream. He was taking us through the meadows and toward the mountain pass. I had absolutely no idea. And I feel like I watched a hundred plus episodes of Bob Ross on TV. This guy was doing it all without the rest of us realizing just another reason yet another reason why this guy is an absolute legend you can send us your positive reflection if it's a video you see that blows your mind if it's a story of someone's random act of kindness maybe you saw somebody pay it forward and you'd love for real talkers to hear about it you can send us an email to talk at ryan just put positive reflections right there in the subject line Coming up on tomorrow's Real Talk, it's going to be Wednesday. We're going to be getting into some of the subject matter, the stories that matter to you, right? A lot of you are telling us you're intrigued by what's happening with the federal political polling. What's the secret to the conservative surge? Adler talked about it yesterday. Tristan Hopper from the National Post will join us Wednesday. Coming up on Thursday, we're going to talk to Dr. Tour out of Calgary. She's pressuring the feds. She says contraception needs to be Free. It needs to be covered under Canadian healthcare. We're going to hear her make her argument. That's coming up two days from now. Thanks so much for being a part of this. Thanks for telling your friends about Real Talk. And we'll see you soon.
0: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General Manager Katie Cook Chivers. Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources Lena Shepherd. Website Design Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Harry Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harman Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson.